Hello, and welcome to Joy Christian Community Church. Each week we strive to bring you Bible-based, Christ-centered teaching so that you will grow alive, deep, and bold in the love and knowledge of Jesus. And now, here's Pastor Clayton with this week's message. We are continuing our series, Stepping Out in Faith. The first in the series... We started with Zacchaeus. If you remember Zacchaeus, who stepped out in faith, he was called by God last week. Then we went to the lake, to the Sea of Galilee with a storm, and we took a look at faith and doubt. We took a look at how all the storms of life assail us, and sometimes when we look to the circumstances rather than Christ Jesus, we falter and we sink. But we learned that we are to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the one who said, take courage, I am. Now this week, we're actually going to go the opposite of the Sea of Galilee. We're going to go to the desert. Because sometimes in our lives, let's face it, we are spiritually dry. There are times in our life where God does not seem to speak to us. When things don't go our way. When we are out in the summer sun desert, so to speak, and it is very hot, and it seems that all of our life has dried up, and there is a barrenness. Thus, for encouragement to be strengthened this week, and if you are in that situation, we're going to take a look at Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones. Because not many people are as familiar with Ezekiel, I'm going to give just a little bit of context Ezekiel was a major prophet in the Old Testament. He was a contemporary of the prophet Jeremiah. He was also a Jewish priest. And when he was 26 years old, King Nebuchadnezzar conquered Israel and took many people captive to Babylon. Ezekiel was one of the people taken captive to Babylon. In his fourth year of captivity, he was called by the Lord to be a prophet. Now, the time of Ezekiel was a time of great upheaval, of great turmoil. There was international conflict, a shifting of power within the Middle East. For the nation of Israel, it looked very bleak. They were in captivity, and not only that, their captors were mocking them. But on top of that, there was apostasy, which is a leaving of the faith, a renunciation of the faith of Moses, of Abraham, of God. And not only that, there was a lot of idol worship within the nation of Israel. You know, it's really interesting to take a look at what happened in Ezekiel and say, well, there are some things happening right now that are parallel to that. Our world is in a time of great upheaval, and it's happening right before our eyes. There are many people who have abandoned the word of God. Many churches have abandoned the word of God. Attendance has been in decline. If you are a Bible-believing Christian in this nation now, you can be called an extremist, and you can lose your job Your business, the government can even shut you down. 
And when you look to the world, the nations around, remember, we've been praying for our brothers and sisters in China. Christianity is the number one persecuted religion in the world, bar none. So things can look kind of bleak, right? You take a look at that landscape. You take a look at the landscape of Ezekiel and Israel. You take a look at our landscape today, and it looks bleak. It looks hopeless. But we should never, underline this, we should never be a people without hope. When we take a look at the book of Ezekiel, and by the way, Ezekiel, his name means God strengthens. When we take a look at Ezekiel and the hopelessness there, God sent Ezekiel in to inspire the nation of Israel, to strengthen them, to remind them that the Lord God Almighty still reigns, that God still reigns and provides hope for the hopeless, that he carries through on his promises even when nations, communities, churches, or even individuals seems spiritually dead. This is the message that Ezekiel brought to the nation of Israel. So we're going to take a little journey today, and we're going to first start in the valley of dry bones, the valley of death, so to speak. And then we are going to come out of that valley to life in the Lord. So we're going to begin when there is no life in the valley of dry bones. Chapter 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. So God puts Ezekiel into this vision of a graveyard. But it's not just a graveyard. And it's not small. Think of it as several miles wide and about five miles long. This is the extent of the vision that God has given Ezekiel. And rather than just a desert or a graveyard with tombstones and things, it is literally full of bones. So what did Ezekiel see? And here I'm going to borrow from Reverend Derek Garth. I thought this was very good. What did Ezekiel see? He saw foot bones that were not standing on the promises of God. He saw leg bones that walked in the counsel of the ungodly. He saw knee bones that did not bow at the name of Jesus. He saw hip bones that sat at the seat of scoffers. He saw backbones that refused to carry each other's burdens. He saw shoulder bones that would not bear the cross. And he saw neck bones that were stiff in sin. This is what Ezekiel saw in the graveyard. Does that fit you? Does that fit our church, our community, our nation? You see, here's what Ezekiel saw. He saw that the nation was surrounded, engulfed in sin. And it wasn't just a graveyard of physical death, but a graveyard of spiritual death caused by sin. You see, as we go out, stepping out into our community, one soul at a time, I've talked with pastor after pastor after pastor, and consistently what I hear is, 
It's about how hard the ground is in Fountain Hills. Now, I'm not hopeless by any means, but they talk that there's a spiritual death. Oh, yeah, there's a veneer. There's a veneer of I'm spiritual but not religious. Have you heard that one? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say I'm spiritual, just not religious. But really, when you take a look at that, there's nothing behind that veneer. There's nothing behind that veneer. And you can kind of actually see a bit of vacancy when it comes to any relationship with God. And actually, when you start to talk to them, you can even hear sadness. Sadness in the voice. Sometimes you hear people say, I don't know if I can go on anymore. Now, they might not say that, but they might say it with alcohol. They might say it with drugs. They might say it with gambling or any other thing like that. Or some people are so sad, they're just kind of waiting for the end. And they say, is that all there is to this life? Is that all there is? See, that's, that's a question that a lot of people ask. And the question, though, that we need to ask, the question that we need to ask of our nation, of our state, of our community, of our neighbors, is the question that God asked Ezekiel. And the question is, can these bones live? Going back to our text, and he said to me, this is God speaking to Ezekiel, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. The question, can these bones live, was to show Ezekiel the impotence of Israel during the exile. Yes, God had made marvelous promises to the nation, but now the question was, can a dead and impotent nation living in exile, living in captivity, can that nation be resurrected to a living, thriving kingdom once again? Can these bones live would seem preposterous in the light of the state of the spiritual death of Israel? in the decay and the fractured and whoring after idols. Can these bones live? Is a very real question for us today in our nation, in our communities and individuals who are in decay, who are fractured and full of self-idolatry. See, When you take a look at the landscape today, there's a destruction of marriage. There's a destruction of families. There's a high divorce rate. There's utter confusion around sexuality and gender. And you look at school shootings, what was once unimaginable happening today. And even more sobering is this. Did you know that for the age groups of 10 to 14, 15 to 24, and 24 to 34, suicide is the second leading cause of death? This is sobering. And by the way, for the ages 10 to 14, 
suffocation is the leading cause, leading method of suicide for that group. I just read about another, I think he was 10 years old, something like that, maybe 14, who just killed himself because of bullying. Just read that. That just happened yesterday. But people are going to say, and this is, this is critical here, people are going to say, well, you know what? It's just a social problem. It's an economic problem. It's a gun problem. It's a tolerance problem. But you know what? It's none of that. It is a sin problem. It is a problem of sin. Yet in our arrogance, we say, can these bones live? Yes, I'll make these bones live. As mankind, we say, oh yeah, we're going to make these bones live. So if we change the nation, if we change society, if we throw our weight behind all of these different programs of economic, of social, of well-being, of self-help, that'll make these bones live. But do you know what? The trend of suicide overall is increasing. None of that is of avail regarding sin. Because here's the situation. When spiritual death happens, the only thing that's left is despair. When you abandon God, the only thing left is ourself. And that leads to utter despair. It's like entering Dante's hell. Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. So can these bones live was an astounding question for Ezekiel to ponder. He knew the weight and the reality of that. And I'm trying to get to you, what is the weight and reality in our situation right now? And thus he responds, O Lord God, you know. And our Heavenly Father does know. Remember, I said we are never to be a people without hope. Our Heavenly Father does know. And he gives exactly what is needed to come out of the valley of death. He says, the word of the Lord. Verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon, upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. What an amazing sight, right? An amazing sight. You've got this graveyard, a couple miles wide, five miles long. And what does God say? He says, I'm going to send a preacher into that graveyard. God did not send a social reformer to the valley, neither did he send a politician or an educator. Rather, he sent a preacher to preach the word of God. That's amazing, isn't it? A preacher to preach the word of God. Now you talk about, you take a look at all the ills in our nation today, and people say, preaching the word of God, are you nuts? That is just foolishness. What's that going to solve? No, we need everything else but that. But God sent Ezekiel to preach the word of God. This is why we had the reading from 1 Corinthians today. Whoops, go back. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will 
thwart. Listen, brothers and sisters, we had some testimony already about stepping out in faith. You know what takes us out of the valley of death, out of the valley of despair, is sharing the word of God. Amen? Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Amen. Look, that's the only thing to do day in and day out. When people ask you why you are a person with hope, be prepared to give them an answer. So God's word works in an amazing manner. And there are two primary ways that it works. One, it works by breaking the heart of those who are hardened. It works by convicting people of their sin. For those who have died from hardness of heart, the word of God is what is needed to pierce that hardness. It isn't psychology. It isn't self-help. It isn't any of that. It isn't a motivational talk. It is the word of God. And sometimes the word of God is like a hammer. This is what it says in Jeremiah 23. Is not my word like fire, declares the the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. And sometimes the word of God is like a very sharp sword. This is from Hebrews chapter 4. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirits, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There are testimony after testimonies after testimonies of somebody reading or hearing the word of God and it strikes their heart. And then they know that they have been a sinner before the most holy, precious God. That's how the word of God can work. Now, the effect of this is to take a heart of stone and give him a heart of flesh. So what it says in Ezekiel chapter 36, and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now for those who are broken though, right? Who actually are in heartache right now, and they are truly humbled. The word of God is needed to bring healing. And thus the gospel message is proclaimed. For those who are hurt, who are dying of thirst, just like at the well, Jesus said, I'm giving you water of everlasting life. And she said, I want that. I want that. It is the gospel message proclaimed to people that brings the healing that Jesus has paid it all and that through faith in him, you're healed, you're restored, you're brought back to life, you are lifted up. That's the ultimate healing that we have, that restored relationship with God. And then as we've been doing in our Bible study in our education hour, we call him Father, Abba. And through Christ Jesus, 
we are connected back to the Father. That's the message to preach. That's the message to give to a world that is broken and in need of restoration. The answer is always to preach God's word. As Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Therefore, let God's word be preached to the nations that are faltering. Let Jesus be proclaimed to communities and churches that are dying inside. Let the words of Jesus be given and shared to those who are broken and hurting, that they may rise and walk again, standing on the promises of God. Now, so for those who've already received the word, who've already received the word of life from Jesus, we have to, as Ron said, and as uh, Bob and Gary were talking, but we have to have that urgency to go out and share the word in the valley to bring people to life. And perhaps you, in your own valley, if you're in a spiritual barrenness right now, also need to be watered by the words of Christ to be nourished, brought back to life. You see, Ezekiel preached the word of God and a miracle happened. Verse seven, so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and the flesh had come upon them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. You see, when the word of God is preached, life begins to happen, and you can see it starting to bubble up. It wasn't, by the way, it wasn't because Ezekiel had such great eloquence. So if you're you're concerned about sharing God's word and that you aren't eloquent enough, you haven't gone to seminary enough, don't worry about that. Just share the word. Just share the message of hope, and you will see miracles happen before you. Now, they started to come to life, but were they fully alive yet? No, they still weren't fully alive yet. And this is the little warning that we have to have too. And this is a warning also for us here at Joy and other churches. A lot of people can have the appearance of life. They go through the motions of a religious life, but they're still dead inside. When I was in seminary, we did pulpit supply, which meant that if a, uh, a church needed somebody to lead worship and give a message, you know, we could go and do that if they so asked. And there were some churches I went to, I could tell were spiritually alive. You could just tell it by when you walked in. And there are others that were dead, like Jesus said, whitewashed tombs, nice on the outside, but dead in, inside. And when you preach the word of God, it was like, any, anybody play racquetball or you know, tennis, uh, where you hit the ball against the wall and you hit the ball and it's supposed to come back, right? Boom, 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 right? When the word of God is preached, there's an aliveness that goes on. Boy, there was one church that went boom. And that was it. And it's really hard because they were dead. So when we preach the word of God and it's received, people come to life, but 
It has to be received by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said, it is the Spirit that gives life. So what's going on in verse 9? Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. So the breath of life comes from the Holy Spirit, God himself. We know that the breath of life is from the very beginning. For how was Adam brought to life? Says this in Genesis. As the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Here in the valley, we're not uh, talking, although it's appropriate, isn't it, talking about the valley, right? (laughs) The valley of dry bones. It wasn't that they were brought back to physical life. It was a spiritual rebirth that the nation had. And a rebirth can only come by the Holy Spirit. When you say the Nicene Creed, you say this, and I believe in the Holy Spirit, what is it? The Lord and giver of life. It is the Holy Spirit breathing into people that breath of life, bringing them to faith in Christ Jesus. Thus, when Ezekiel preached, it wasn't just for people to live, have a better life it was to be filled with the spirit of god and thus glorifying god and you can tell this you know this when people are filled with the spirit they stand upright don't they you can tell that they are alive and they are standing on the promises of god so here it is as god gave life gave Israel life and led them out of the graveyard of death, so can he give new life to our nations, our communities, our churches, and yes, you as well. And yes, you as well. So we started this this journey in the valley of death where there was no hope, and now we find with the word of God, through the Holy Spirit, in Christ Jesus, there's life. All right, let me ask you a question. Can these bones live? Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) That wasn't spirit-filled. Can these bones live? Yes. Hallelujah. Amen, right? It is through the Word of God breathed into us by the Holy Spirit, pointing us and giving us the gospel message in Christ Jesus that we stand, that we live, and that we then give that word to others who need to live also. Can these bones live? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And we stand on the promises of Christ our Savior. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. God's peace and joy in Christ Jesus be with you.